when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hello, and welcome to the U.S. Election Countdown podcast. I'm Courtney Weaver, the FT's U.S. politics correspondent, and I'm here with Dmitry Sevastopolo, back from his two-week vacation, which I think was his first vacation in about a year. Welcome back, Dimitri. It's great to be back, and I can see that nothing has changed. Uh, Donald Trump is still dominating the conversation. I guess that's what we're going to be talking about today. Exactly, exactly. So it's been quite a week, not a quite week back. Uh, Trump on Monday fired his uh, long embattled campaign manager. Uh, we've had some fundraising numbers that have raised questions about the Trump campaign, big speeches from Trump and Clinton. So to kick it off, let's look at uh, the fundraising numbers. We had new Federal Election Commission fundraising numbers on Monday, which show that Clinton has vastly outraised Trump so far. What does this all mean, Dimitri? Uh, I think at the moment it's significant. And let's step back a bit and remember when uh, Trump essentially won the nomination in Indiana in early May. Um, a few weeks after that, his poll numbers started to look really good. He was neck and neck with Clinton. He started talking about doing fundraising with the Republican National Committee. And the Clinton team started to get worried. Then uh, all of a sudden things changed. Trump started to make uh, very divisive comments about a Mexican-American judge, basically uh, comments that most people, including a lot of Republicans, said were racist. Uh, After the Orlando gun massacre, he kind of sent out a self-congratulatory message saying, well, thanks everyone for telling me I was right. That went down very badly. His numbers started to sink again in the polls. Then he fires his campaign man. He gets to say, you're fired. And, And this time it wasn't for entertainment value. And then that night we find out that he has raised only $3.1 million in May and Clinton raised something like $26 million. And an even more astonishing number is Clinton ended the month with uh, over $40 million in the bank and Trump had one point three. Now he's gone into damage control mode and said that he started fundraising at the end of the month. He's done a lot in the last week. Uh, he's made some changes to his campaign and boosted his staff this week. So he's very quickly trying to turn things around and convince people that his campaign isn't flagging. But he's definitely got a steep hill ahead of him at the moment. It's been a tough few weeks for Donald Trump. I mean, so but what about the fundraising numbers specifically? I mean, do you think this is significant? Trump obviously is a billionaire. Uh, he says he has kind of infinite cash on hand to fund his campaign. He's now taking a new tactic where he's saying these loans that he's given his campaign so far, he's not going to get the money back. You know, this is money that he said, you know, he claimed he was donating to the future of America. Do you, do you think, though, that this, these numbers signal that Trump, you know, is struggling to have a real fundraising operation and will struggle to have a ground game, you know, ahead of November? I think it signals that he's had a really bad start. Um, the most important date, I think, on the calendar in some ways is going to be July 20, when we find out what his June numbers were. If his June numbers are anywhere near as bad as his May numbers, he's not going to be able to argue that he started late or anything like that. People are going to say, hold on, Mr. Trump, you're in trouble. Now, one of the reasons Republican donors have stayed on the sidelines, and there are many reasons, but one of them is, you know, Trump has loaned his campaign uh, something in the region of $50 million. And up until now, he's refused to say 
whether he would pay. He, he's basically suggested that he would pay that money back to himself at some point. So a lot of donors thought, well, why am I going to put money into Trump's campaign when he could turn around tomorrow and just use that money to pay himself back? And by the way, the money he's spending in his campaign is going to his private airline. It's going to his Mar-a-Lago estate down in Florida. So a lot of people are saying, hold on, I'm not dumb. I'm not going to give you money for that. Now, he is literally, as we've been talking, he sent out a statement saying he's not going to pay himself back that $50 million uh, that he's loaned the campaign. So basically, he's saying he's given that to his campaign. So that is probably an attempt to convince Republican donors that they need to start opening his purse strings. But I mean, I think when you talk to the experts, what they say is that a primary is very different from a general election. In a primary, you're appealing to a very narrow uh, part of the, the base, uh, whereas the general election, you're obviously trying to reach a much broader electorate. Uh, so with the primary, you can get away in some respects, as Trump did, without having a ground game. Uh, but that will be much harder in the general election. Um, that being said, you know, it's it's June right now. The election's in November. If he's working closely with the RNC, maybe he has time to make up ground. But I think you're, I mean, you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about all these, you know, that all this money he's been spending so far, it's going to various Trump ventures. You know, it's hard to motivate people to give to your campaign when, one, you're a billionaire, uh, and two, you know, you're giving money to yourself in some respects. The question now is whether with the, the firing of Corey Lewandowski on Monday, um, if we're seeing this this Trump 2.0, this, you know, this long-awaited Trump, which we thought we would see immediately after the primary, where he becomes more presidential, um, kind of takes a more moderate tone. Um, I guess just to back up a bit, let's talk about the firing of Lewandowski. So he has been under pressure for a long time. Uh, if you remember, he you know, he was he was accused of battering this reporter, of grabbing her arm. You know, one of many complaints against him from uh, another protest, he was accused of grabbing someone's collar. Uh, and yet Trump stayed by his side. You know, he was he defended Lewandowski. He was loyal to him. And then this week, something changed. Well, I think there's been momentum building inside the Trump campaign where his kids have been saying to him, uh, Dad, something's not working. Uh, your poll numbers are going down. Uh, Lewandowski is uh, not helping you. Lewandowski's kind of main thing was um, let Trump be Trump. And that definitely did work in the primaries. But the big question is whether that will work in the general election when a lot of people think he needs to be more presidential. He needs to stop alienating women, Hispanics, Muslims, disabled people that he's going to need to vote for him in November if he's really going to win. So I think there was a movement within his family and also, uh, Paul Manafort, who's the kind of veteran Republican that he brought in originally to help him with the convention. But as it became clear there wasn't going to be a contested convention, Manafort started taking over more of the normal jobs uh, that a campaign manager would do. And he's clearly, uh, you know, he's, he's won the battle between Manafort and Lewandowski. So to me, it signals there's definitely been a change in the direction of the Trump campaign. You know, we will have to see whether Trump can continue uh, in this way or whether, you know, he'll put his foot in his mouth uh, over and over again. And no matter how many campaign advisors you have around you, it, it doesn't help you if your candidate is making big problems. One of the kind of tests we had this week was this speech he gave attacking Hillary Clinton. So what did you how did you read that speech, which was quite interesting? Yeah, I mean, I think the interesting to point out is that Trump was literally reading the speech. I mean, he was reading it off a teleprompter, which is, you know, he's only done that a handful of times since he began his campaign. So this is a sign. This is basically what a lot of establishment Republicans have been looking for. They want a more scripted Trump. They want a Trump that's more predictable. 
Um, you know, he kind of stuck to his message, which was going after Clinton. This was a long-awaited speech uh, in which he attacked her and the Clinton Foundation um, that was originally scheduled for a couple of weeks ago, but then delayed after Orlando. And I think it's I think it's what uh, a lot of Republicans are waiting to see, at least a lot of Republicans here in Washington. I mean, for his for his supporters, I think they, they do like the more unscripted Trump. They like the more freewheeling Trump. And he he wasn't like that Trump this week. But I think it's a good sign for Republicans who are kind of nervous about Trump. At least this is a candidate that's closer to what they think they can su- support. I think another interesting thing about the Lewandowski episode was just it just gave us a little bit of insight into the sort of power and influence that his his children have in the campaign, which is pretty unusual for a presidential candidate. You know, the fact that he's running, as he says, such a, an, a small operation uh, means that his children, who also have had no experience in politics before, are also getting outsized influence, particularly his daughter, Ivanka. And from all from your reporting and from other reporting, it seems like it was really Ivanka and her siblings who were the ones who finally convinced him to, to push Lewandowski out. I think that's right. And if you think about it, during the campaign, during the primary, many of the times when Trump was chastised for being aggressive or divisive, he would say, you know, uh, Ivanka, my daughter, and uh, Melania, my wife, they keep telling me to be presidential. But if people hit me, I'm not going to be presidential. It's actually more fun being not presidential. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. There's kind of this contradiction here where Trump's natural urge is to kind of to punch out and to hit back and to, and to say things that get him in trouble. Um, but clearly the people around him are saying, again, Dad, Mr. Trump, if you want to win the election to beat Hillary Clinton, you're going to have to be a little bit less Trump and not a little bit more Trump. And we're going to have to see whether he can pull that off. I mean, I, you know, all of the experts have got their views. That One thing we've learned in this election is pretty much no expert has gotten it right so far. The conventional wisdom has gone from Trump could never win to, oh, my God, Trump won the nomination. I think the conventional wisdom has now quickly moved back to there's no way Trump can beat Clinton. But if the last year is a test, I think we should probably be um, prepared for the uh, the case that he might he might pull it off. I don't think you, I don't think you can write him off. Let's put it that way. No, exactly. Um, I mean, I think we have to point out that this has been an especially uh, good streak for Clinton. You know, she struggled many times during the primary, but uh, in the past couple of weeks, she seems to have hit her stride. You know, she's had two big speeches attacking Trump. The first one was attacking him on foreign policy, and then the second one this week was attacking his proposals for the economy. Um, she did a great job of weaving um, kind of criticism both from people on the left and people on the right. Uh, at one point, she included criticism from uh, Mitt Romney and Elizabeth Warren in one sentence, which is which is a feat and just shows how um, isolated Trump is from many people in the Republican Party. And she she seemed a bit more relaxed, too. I think one of the main criticisms of her during the primary campaign was that she didn't really have a message, um, quite literally. I mean, she would change her campaign slogan every few weeks, um, and she continues to do so, whereas having Trump as her main opponent has given her a message by default, and that message is, vote for me because I'm not Trump. And I think I think she likes to go after him. You, you know, she seems to be enjoying it a bit more than she does giving the traditional stump speech, you know, she's a lawyer by training. And you kind of see her as this this prosecutor when she's going after him. So I think that's contributed to this feeling that there's now momentum for the Clinton campaign. Um, But she's by no means a perfect campaigner. And there's definitely a lot of time between now and November for for the situation to flip. No, you're right. And one of the kind of interesting things we're going to see next week is Clinton and Elizabeth Warren, who's a firebrand uh, Massachusetts senator, uh, are going to campaign together in, in Ohio for the first time that Clinton and Warren have campaigned together. Some people see this as a dry run or test run for 
Warren perhaps being picked as the VP candidate. But Warren is a really kind of a passionate uh, a speaker. And she's in some ways, she's going to overshadow Hillary Clinton because she's just much better on the stage. So I think next week is going to be fascinating. We're going to get another glimpse of uh, inside the campaign and how this thing is going to play out. But I think that's all for this week. Thanks a million for listening. You can find us on Twitter at Dimi, that's D-I-M-I, and Courtney underscore F-T, that's C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y underscore F-T. And also be sure to sign up for our daily campaign trail newsletter, which is called White House Countdown at ft.com forward slash N-B-E, and that stands for News by Email. So again, it's ft.com forward slash N-B-E. And be sure to download FT Politics wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes, Stitcher, or Acast. This podcast was produced and edited by Amy Keene. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.